Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. How do you structure real estate deals? One deal structure that might not be as familiar to folks who are starting out is the GPLP deal structure, General Partnership, Limited Partnership. This is commonly used on larger scale investment properties, often with larger scale returns. Perhaps this is not as well known because the deals are often limited to accredited investors. That's another way of saying rich people, which means if you don't make a ton of money, already have a ton of money, then you can't participate. But you say, Brent, why do the rich always seem to get all the good opportunities? That is a deep question. My sense is that it has a lot to do with their financial literacy, their appetite for risk and long-term thinking, which is funny because on the Two Stewards show, those are some of the things that we like to talk about all the time, which means that if you listen long enough, hmm, in any case, Mark and I do a quick chat about the world of real estate private equity. If you're looking for an alternative way to invest in real estate and participate in some larger deals that are professionally executed and managed, then this episode should help get the gears turning. If you want to get in contact, you can get in contact with Mark over at Joy Hill Property Management, joyhill.ca. He is helping folks to set up and manage successful short and midterm rental properties. I'm over at Good Stewards. Our services help you source the right investment property, develop quality rental units, and secure amazing tenants. Learn more at goodstewards.ca. Or reach out to the show at hello at twostewards.ca, twostewards.ca. And for those of you who have just fast-forwarded through the entire intro, you can just push play now and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. My name's Mark, and I'm here with... Brent. And uh, we're going to talk about... What are we going to talk about today, Brent? Private uh, private equity? I haven't had lunch yet. I don't know. You probably hear my <laughs> stomach uh, rumbling in the background this time. Yeah, it's not an earthquake. It's just Brent's stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today we want to talk about, I think, a little bit uh, alternative real estate investing... Uh, strategies or methods because um, for a while on this podcast we've talked a lot about you know how can an individual person uh, buy a house um, and some of the reasons why you might want to do that Mm -hmm. and then some of the benefits that that offers Um, and that's a great investment thesis and uh, we'll continue to talk about that a lot and all different angles for everybody but um, one thing I think uh that keeps coming up in conversations with people is um, different uh, investment strategies outside of just uh, regular home ownership or um, mm-hmm. you know, buying a rental property. Um, and uh, there are different options. So we want to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, one popular one is joint ventures. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about that today, really. No. But we'll uh, maybe the next. Uh, <laughs> No, that, that'll be, I think, a separate episode. But today we want to talk about, um, so yeah, we say private equity. I mean, that, that can, you can, that brings to mind a lot of different things. Yeah. So you could think of like a REIT, for example. That's not even really private equity, but it is an alternate uh, real estate investment uh, structure. So that's a real estate investment trust. And um, I don't know, when I think of them, I always kind of think of like a mutual fund. Yeah. Really, it's it's a big pool of money that people put in, and uh, I'm not, you know, big on REITs necessarily as a a real estate investing structure. Some people will buy a REIT because they want exposure to real estate. That's great, but you don't you're not really getting like you're not getting the benefit of leverage for one. Yeah. You may get the 
benefit of the performance of a company that is exposed to leverage, but is not the same thing as directly buying a house for 20% down and then getting 100% of the benefits. So a REIT is one. Uh, we're not really going to talk about that, but that's that's an alternative <laughs> to um, uh, alternative investing, real estate investing structure, but it's it's like a very passive type, right? Um, yeah, people, people will put their money in a REIT, um, and usually you can kind of pick a REIT that has a, a risk tolerance or a level that you're comfortable with, and you own shares of it. Um, like yeah, it, it basically a public traded, publicly traded company that issues shares and they hold the assets, um, that they're investing in and they do all the management. And then you just, uh, as an investor, you would buy a portion of that, yeah. uh, like shares in that company. Right. And then you just get returns on those. Um, yeah, we're not talking about that. Okay. What are we going <laughs> to talk about? <laughs> uh, and then you've got like, um, like, uh, BlackRock, right? People talk about private equity. We're not really talking about that either, right? Like these giant investment firms yeah. who are not publicly traded, so that makes them private, essentially. But um, um, you can't really buy into BlackRock unless you're like a, a wealthy individual yeah. and you've got uh, lots and lots of money to invest, right? But not for the average person. Uh, crowdfunding, so that's an interesting one. Um yeah, we definitely should do some more deep dives on crowdfunding. But. Yeah, yeah. So Addy Invest, I guess, is like the one that really comes to mind. And they do, uh, yeah, real estate crowdfunding. So you can invest generally up to $5,000 per deal. And uh, so this is why it's and, not well, and popular as, for... And as little as like a dollar or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. Really, really small amount. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it is super cool idea. And it's there's a bit of an ideology behind it, right? Where they want to make real estate accessible to everybody and so yeah that's really cool but if you're an investor with a larger sum to invest then you know that's it's not really going to um not really going to work for you right if you're a younger person and you know you've got some capital you you like a couple grand that you want to invest in real estate then this is perfect because you're getting the benefits of leverage and uh, because you're buying a piece of a property yeah. Right. So there could be, I don't know, a thousand people in on a certain pro and that's how they do it. Right. They will have a deal and then you invest in that deal. You're not investing in the company. You're investing in yeah. the deal. Yeah. And your, your funds aren't spread across like, you know, all of North America and all the assets that company owns. It's just one particular deal. And so you better believe in it <laughs> <laughs> or at least do your due diligence and make sure you're not making any mistakes. But so we don't want to talk about that. I mean, we, we are talking about it, but oh, we don't want to. <laughs> well, and then there's, you got mix as well. I forgot to mention that, but a mortgage investment corporation. So a lot of people will do um, either private mortgages or invest in a company that does mortgages. And we've seen some, some good and some bad uh, mix. Um, you have to do your research before you put your money into one, basically, yeah. right? I think there was that one in Saskatchewan. I don't know if it was set up as a mic, but I think it was, where um, like it was just a shambles, and eventually it fell apart, and they had... Uh, what, all of Saskatchewan fell apart? I never heard about that. <laughs> you didn't? No, they, they sent in uh, the army, and they rebuilt it in a day. Uh, okay. <laughs> We, we now have no <laughs> listeners from Saskatchewan. I don't know if we did. <laughs> no, it was the um, it was an investment thing, and they uh, 
it was just terribly run. Yeah. So it was almost like a Ponzi because they kept, they needed new money to prop it up. Yeah. Because a lot of the properties that they bought, so maybe this wasn't a mech because they weren't doing mortgages or actually syndication investing. Syndication or something? Yeah, syndication. That's what I'm thinking of. So there's another one, right? Yeah. Syndication. Um, we're also not talking about, well, I guess we are kind of talking about syndicates, syndications. So really what we want to talk about today is the uh, GPLP structure. Yeah. Um, in real estate investing. Yeah. So, you know, we're coming from the angle of the smaller real estate investor who's who's buying residential real estate, right? You've got yeah. commercial real estate. We're not experts about that. We're not going to talk about it. But residential um, real estate investing, this is a more popular, you know, I think after the joint venture, then you get into, especially if you're doing some bigger deals, the GPLP uh, structure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh this is something that <laughs> people might not be aware of uh, if you're just going about your life and uh, doing your thing. But um, for a lot of bigger investors and bigger uh, family offices and people who have um, quite significant amounts of capital. It's large, a family office, Brent. I don't know, but my family doesn't have one. So. <laughs> um, people who work for people just managing all their money because they have so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the way I understand it anyways. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then, then you look for ways to deploy your money, uh, more, uh, into projects without being an active manager, but, um, still having an ownership stake and having a say, um, in that particular job or project. Um, so that the, the GPLP structure you mentioned is kind of the model that is most commonly used, right? Yes. GPLP. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I thought I was asking you the questions. Oh. Okay. Well, you can ask me questions after <laughs> oh. that. Okay, fine. So GP, so GP is the general partner. And you can think of that person as the active um, investor or the active person in the relationship. So, you know, if we kept keep it real simple, let's say there's two people. One's the GP, one's the LP. Normally, you're, if it's a bigger... Normally they're bigger deals and you've got more LPs, but we'll just say one to one. The LP would be the passive investor who is generally just bringing in cash. Yeah. And there's there's so many different flavors and ways that you can do this. And often LPs will, you know, have different things yeah. to contribute. And probably that's a good thing to look for in a relationship, um, <laughs> a financial <laughs> relationship of this sort, right? Is where you have LPs who aren't strictly just bringing money but they're bringing some sort of expertise yeah. as well. doesn't mean they're operating partner, but. So just to make it real for people. Okay. So this is actually a pretty exciting make it strategy. Real. Make it real. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you, uh, let's say you have an investment thesis. I think this is where it all kind of starts, right? Cause a, a GP or a general partner, um, they're going to be people who are, uh, in the industry, real estate investing, developing, um, they're going to be kind of boots on the ground, people, financial people figuring out, you know, what is the strategy here? Like, um, they're going to do their research yep. They're generally, hopefully, <laughs> right. You're going to find people who do do research. Um, but they're going to go out there and, um, they're going to build a philosophy. Like, why am I going to do this investment? And, uh, how am I going to generate returns? Where are the opportunities? And they're going to find and highlight them and actually, um, you know, do all the work to make the investment actually happen. Right. And typically they are specialized in one 
kind of yeah. deal or one one subset of real estate. So it could be like storage units. It could be strip malls. It could be residential yeah. properties, yeah. like multi-unit, whatever. Yeah. yeah, like it could be, yeah, conversions of one kind or another, yep. like converting this into that or um, even student housing. Um, yeah. I've seen a couple opportunities where, yeah, it's, it's we develop... Uh, purpose-built student housing in this particular niche area by this university right and um, yeah so like all different property types this can apply to but typically speaking the general partner would be somebody making an investment thesis or um, I guess you could say like a philosophy or a, a strategy around why why would this be worth investing in yeah and how would my skills as a general partner um, make this deal work and be of benefit. And so what's exciting about this for maybe listeners or people out there is that as a limited partner, we can participate in these projects and uh, like both invest our money, but also participate in like whatever um, investment philosophy or strategy they're employing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can reap the rewards, right? So if, if it's financial rewards, obviously it's a huge portion of it. The other portion of it is like, um, you know, I, I do want to see more student housing being built in this area so I can put my money towards that and see the benefits. So yeah. that's a cool, uh, definitely a cool strategy that we want to chat about. Well, and you also get the benefit, especially if you're newer, um, of learning, Right. If you want to get into, let's use student housing as an example, right? If you want to really get into that, well, you could like risk your capital and your time and like do it yourself. See how they do it. Uh, but I would much rather learn from somebody else. And maybe you don't make, you know, the, the reward isn't the same, but the risk isn't nearly there either. And if you're going to get into something, yeah, learn from somebody else who's done it. I know I've done enough banging my head against the wall trying to figure <laughs> out how to do something when I should have just gone yeah. to somebody else and like asked or I can done tell a partnership. your head's pretty nicely formed there. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's got a callus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just polish up the callus. That's why right? the hair doesn't grow. I guess. It just comes out the bottom. <laughs> the beard. But I think a lot of people in real estate do that, right? Yeah. Until they realize, like, oh, you know what? I should just do a joint venture or a or a like a limited partnership with somebody to learn. Um, yeah. And I guess one thing to bring up is, you know, why, why do you need this structure? If you're such a smarty pants and you know how to do all this stuff, like just go do it. Right. And the answer I think is capital because every investor in real estate eventually runs out of either capital or yeah. the ability to finance, uh, more investments. And, um, you know, if you don't good for you, but typically you're doing more deals and so you've got money tied up in existing deals or you're going to bigger deals. You just don't have that capital, but you have the expertise to make these deals work. And there's more people out there with money than there is with expertise. Yeah. Yeah. And it, ta it takes a, a, a bit of a diversity of expertise, too, when you talk about some of these bigger development projects, um, especially if you have resources in-house and you're doing some of the engineering or some of the... Um, you know, development planning work, yeah. um, even acquisition, um, related stuff in house, then yeah, you're gonna, um, you're gonna add a lot of value, um, just by having all those resources. Right. And it takes a lot of different, it takes capital, but also takes a lot of different, um, skill sets to make a deal come together successfully. Right. Yeah. And often those, those aren't together. There's a, so there's a fellow, Chris power. Actually, I follow on Twitter. 
and uh, he does um, <coughs> excuse me like brownfield development and I think a lot around the Texas area. So they'll take like a Class C industrial asset. Whoa. And, um, Brownfield, Class C, I don't know. It doesn't matter, but they'll take kind of like lousy industrial land yeah. and turn it around, make it into something good, and then um, either operate or more likely resell it. But this yeah. is an example of he's got an office. So he's got people on the team who do like the finance part. He's got, yeah. you know, the architects he's got all these people that do all this stuff the thing they don't have is like billions of dollars yeah to do this but so this is where this comes in because if you have um these uh firms out there who are doing this or if you have deals and opportunities out there and they're adding a lot of value um they also need to get paid right and that's yeah. where this whole deal structure comes in that we kind of want to delve into a bit um, the general partnership, limited partnership structure and how that kind of works, right? Cause they need to get compensated, um, at some point, right? Yep. Um, and how does that all work? <laughs> well, I mean, there was a song that was popular when I was, uh, maybe I won't say a youth, but younger Yeah. <laughs> TLC, don't go chasing waterfalls. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but nope. you can Google it. <laughs> but in this case, you want to actually chase waterfalls, right? Okay. So what's a waterfall, Brent? Oh, man. Um, sh okay, let's talk about GPLP first. Yeah. That, that sort of structure. So we kind of know what a GP is. That's generally the person with the expertise. They're going to operate it. They're going to have their, um, their, their yeah boots on the ground, right? Yeah, and the limited partner. Um, so they're usually just supplying funds. They're, um, they invest in the project. Um, and as such, uh, they have like a limited role in um, the project, right? So they're not really in a decision-making role. Um, usually the general partner is the one making all the decisions, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the ones that um, I've seen is the uh, general partner comes with a project already, right? So yes. they have a particular property. It has a particular plan in place. Sometimes uh, the general partner might say, look, like we have this property, we're going to do this. Let's just make it uh, tangible. So, um, you know, we have a single family home. We're going to convert it into a uh, townhouse development because it's a big lot. Um, and we've actually done all the approvals with the city. So we have permits and we have, um, you know, our financing in place. We just need a lot of money to make this happen. Uh, yeah. Who wants in, right? And so at that point, um, they need to raise money and they go to limited partners and limited partners can come in with funds. Um, and if they believe in the overall investment thesis and they believe in that particular project and that deal in that area, um, and they, they stand by the management of the, uh, the general partnership. Um, and they also, it aligns with kind of their personal investment goals. Like they, they might be looking for cash flow. They might be looking for, um, a certain exit strategy in a certain timeline, yeah. right. Um, with a certain return, then they would make that investment and, um, they become the limited partner. And typically this is all stuck together in a corporation, right? Yeah. You form a corporation specifically for this asset, like a, yeah. a limited liability if yeah. you're in the States. <clears throat> Um, and, uh, just maybe one caveat before we dive into even more, but usually these kind of structures are limited to accredited investors. Right. And, um, that is, uh, in Canada, 
Um, you can just Google what an accredited investor is because there's a long list of things. But um, needless to say, you need to have a certain income or a certain amount of assets. Um, yeah, well, is it three or four million dollars of assets, I think, and then two or three hundred grand yeah, of uh, income. Yeah, two hundred grand of income uh, for the last two years, or three hundred grand of income combined with a spouse. Yeah, um, for the last two years, I think. Yeah, the various check boxes that if you check one of them, you you can be an accredited investor. Um, but basically, that is just to say, look, you are. Uh, accredited, meaning you are financially uh, at a point where you making this investment, you know the responsibility you're taking on, and if things go south, you are going to be. It's uh, not going to ruin yeah, you. Yeah. You've also got eligible investors too, right? Do you? Yeah. So, and that's a lower bar to uh, to hit, and I, I can't remember all the. Uh, yeah. So all the things, but like one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars of joint income. Yeah. Yeah, and so some some general partnerships too will have criteria like friends and family can invest in this deal. Yeah, um, even if they're not accredited, or if you do and you're uh, do invest in this deal and you're not accredited, you would have to invest over a certain threshold, right? Yeah. So you have to put in over a hundred grand, over one hundred fifty grand. Um, yeah, that's a big yawn, Mark. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have your lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Had some sugar. Now I'm crashing. Um, we need okay. to have guests on this podcast so we don't have to do all the talking. I, I know. I know. Um, okay. So that's sort of the GPLP structure. Yeah. Um, general partner, limited partner. And then uh, what do we want to talk about? Oh, waterfalls. I got distracted. But um, once you have that, so, and I guess there's two things we could look at two structures one would be an operating structure and one would be um like a capital distribution yeah so yeah. basically that means are you gonna um are you just gonna hold the asset and operate it and get cash flow yeah or are you so either, let's maybe let's just differentiate this for people um that's a big word yeah Ooh. <laughs> um so when you're investing in just a single family home yep. in a neighborhood and you're buying it um, you're going to be entitled to all the benefits from it, right? So you're going to go get a mortgage and buy this house. And then if you get rent, um, you're going to use that rent to pay the mortgage, pay any expenses, right? And then anything left over is yours. And you, it, it's kind of pretty clean and tight. Yeah. You can calculate your return on investment because you can say, I put in this much money and I got this much out of it. Um, and it's all going to one person. Um, and you start introducing like a joint venture partner or let's say mom and dad co-sign or you co-sign for your kids. Yeah. Um, then it becomes a little bit more complex, but the numbers are still there, right? You have um, the money came in. It went to this person. He put in that much. So therefore, so we're just basically taking that kind of mindset and we're scaling it up to uh, like a, a l little bit larger scale. Right? So you usually have a larger project that requires more capital and that requires more capital, meaning you probably are going to go to more people, yeah. right? Because one person having $2 million to put in on a project is going to be tougher than, you know, 10 people with 200 grand. Well, and sorry, just quickly, the other benefit to that is, and especially when you, if you specify you want to deal with accredited investors, is that you know they probably have more money. Yeah. So you want to have a good stable base, but if you run into problems where you need more money, you don't have to go calling externally on other people. You want to go to your investors first and say, hey, 
we need more money. Or if, you know, there's an opportunity to expand the project or whatever, but you've got yeah. sort of a captive audience there that has some more reserves and yeah. uh, hopefully will we'll bail you out if you need it. Well, and usually <laughs> that's what general partners do because they're actively in the business. They're looking for opportunities. They're deploying their skills and they're making returns for investors, right? So yep. if they're going to come across an opportunity um, that meets the criteria for this set of investors, they're probably going to come across another opportunity in the next year that's also going to meet that criteria. And um, it'll be uh, like there's a lot of synergies there, right? Because they can go and deploy the same team on that project and make a better return because they've already experienced it. And yeah. Um, so as an investor, once you kind of make these investments, you can scale up or down however you want. Um, where were we talking about? You were talking about eliminated partners. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. You oh, got to have yeah. another Coke. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the idea is that um, we're, we're scale, so we're scaling up this model where you have income and expenses and you're, um, you're taking your rental income, you're distributing it. So when you scale that up to multiple people and you have a general partner, um, we, the actual term is waterfall, right? Yeah. Um, so how do, how does the money get distributed in these deals? Right. Yeah. And how do you determine like, what, what is the worth of a general partner? Yeah. You know, like, you know, especially so general partner pretty, pretty may, low. It's pretty low. <laughs> pretty low. <laughs> um, the GP may have some money in there. Yeah. And ideally, if you're, you're doing this, you want to see the GP with some yeah. skin in the game. Yeah. But it may be 10% of the project or 5% of the project, yeah. right? So they've got some money they stand to lose if things don't go well. Yeah. Um, but the bulk of the money is coming from the LPs. So then it's a matter of like, okay, so they're actually operating it. They have, they do have some costs with their staff, depending on the size of their office, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you fairly compensate them for that part? And that's, I guess that's the deal structure and that's the, the art of the deal, right? Yeah, because it's, if, if uh, the fees from the general partner are too high, then nobody's going to invest, Yeah. right? And if nobody invests and the deal doesn't happen and they don't have a business and the, the investors also don't get any return, right? Yeah. But if the fee is too low, then the investors get all the money and the deal doesn't really work because the like the general partner is not really getting compensated. So there is a bit of a balance and the market kind of determines where that lands, right? Yeah. And I mean, if it's if it's someone with like with staff, the deal could fall apart if they're not actually making mo enough money yeah. to support their staff and their uh, yeah. everything Man, else. You're right? sounding like you're crying the blues for the general partners. Here. A little bit, yeah. We're, yeah. we're on the LP side. <laughs> okay, we're trying sorry. to fight for the LPs here. <laughs> fight for the little guy. The little guy with lots yeah, of money. The little partnerships. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's where the waterfall uh, idea comes in, right? You've got. And waterfall just means distribution of money that we get out of this deal yeah right um so if you have uh yeah you mentioned you break it into two buckets and so like one is operations um which just means um yeah maybe operations and capital distribution so capital distribution let's say you sell the property yep. at the end right um well what happens with the money um so there's like a clear structure of where the money goes and why um and with just like an operational distribution or a cash flow distribution, it's just the regular money that we get paid on a monthly basis from this rental property or from this investment property. Yeah. Um, what do we do with that money? Because it's usually like probably a hundred percent of the time, but 
<laughs> Hopefully you get a property where the cash flow is so great that it pays all your money back. <laughs> but most of the time, it's just a tiny fraction of what you invested, right? Yeah. So you, you bought a huge investment property and you put hundreds of thousands of dollars in and then you're getting like a thousand bucks a month. Woo yeah. Right. But um, so in reality, you're never going to be able to pay back all your investment with the cash flow or That's it's going right. to take a significant amount of time. Right. So there's right. a little bit of a different model when it comes to um, how that money gets distributed. And, but typically you will have, well, maybe not typically, but often you would have both distributions set up. So yeah. you would have the sort of the cash flow distribution set up like in, like in your contract, right? Here's how we handle the cash flow and then here's how we handle capital because that could be a refinance, right? If you're thinking about just like a house, a residential yeah. development, you may do a whole bunch of work and you want to hang on to it but when you refinance, where does the money from the refi go? But then you also, you're holding on to it and you're getting cash flow afterwards. How does that work? And, um, you know, if everybody's still in the deal, how does the cash flow work? Yeah. So, um, so what, what usually happens? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could be talking about this on a Let's high talk, level. Well, right? talk about cash flow. Okay. And I mean, this could apply to the refi so stuff as well. You have a diagram there, or what? I have a little diagram. Hopefully, this sort of um, makes sense. But the idea is um, the general partner is incentivized to make as much, to make this deal make as much money as possible. Yeah. So you've got different tiers of, um, of, uh, of reward, basically. So using this one as an example, right? So if there's a 6% internal rate of return, so rate of return on that project, um, the LPs would get 95% of that. Uh, so let's say there's a, it's a thousand dollars. Whoa. Right. Of, okay. So let's say you, initially you've got on this first band, you've got a thousand dollars of income and that equates to a 6% rate of return on the whole project. So 6%, I don't know, it's not great. So in that case, the LPs are going to get 95% of that $1,000. So if there's one LP, then he's going to get like that, that whole chunk of money. If there's a bunch of LPs, they get, uh, they split that amongst themselves based on how much they've invested, right? So bigger investors get more, smaller investors get less. And then the GP gets 5% of that 6% return. So if he only ever, like this project only ever makes 6%, the, the GP's not doing very good. Yeah. Right? So he's incentivized to make the deal. Even yeah. Better. So once that deal hits 8% rate of return, now looking, you know, just looking at this example, the GP's struct, um, uh, portion of that is now 15%. So he's getting 15% of the, uh, of the profits. Once and you know it may be, you may tie it into like at six percent it's this, and then the next two percent to bring it up to eight percent is this, and then once you hit to the third tier, so let's say you're making twelve percent rate of return, you, you just see how the GP's um, share of the pie gets bigger, the further down the waterfall you go, and that's if we're looking at the tiers, that's why it's the waterfall, right? So that, um, you know, eventually if the project's making a lot of money, the GP yeah. makes a bigger percentage every time the, that project makes more money. Okay, let's simplify this a little bit because probably I lost. I thought it was simple, Brent. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of <laughs> lost me a little bit. So, um, like, uh, 
I think capital distributions might be easier to understand. So oh, well, here we go. Yeah. Well, because you can say, look, uh, your camera cut out. All right. So you, uh, capital distribution means when you sell the property, yep. right. There's a whole bunch of capital, which is money. And that has to pay for stuff. Yep. Right. And where does that go first? Okay. Well, let's say you sold it and you made a million dollars. Yep. Um, that has to go, uh, and, and you're talking about incentives, like who gets what first, right? So there's basically hurdles or yep. waterfalls. And for people listening who weren't able to look at the, the graph, I think you could think of it as the money comes out of the deal when you sell it and it goes into a bucket. And the first bucket is the first tier, the first hurdle, yep. and that fills up. And then once it's full, it, it spills over into the next bucket and then it fills that one up, right? And each of these buckets just fill up in sequence and no money goes to the next bucket until the first one's full, right? Yeah. Um, and then eventually everything gets paid. And ideally, there's so much money, it just flows everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you just you run out of buckets. Yeah, and you run out of buckets. And then you come to us because we've talked about buckets before. All these reusable Home Depot buckets. That's See, right. It keeps coming back. I don't know. Um <clears throat> Yeah, shoot. I got a whole bunch in my garage. I'm going to go run around next time I see an, a limited <laughs> time partnership do a deal. offering. <laughs> just going to bring my buckets with. <laughs> okay. That's funny because, uh, yeah, when you go to these meetings, they're usually uh, a little bit more professional. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, so they, you sell the property for a million bucks. The first thing, so let's use an example deal. I just have a, a sheet in front of me that is a deal that we've we've uh, we've looked at in the past. So um, payment of unpaid preferred return. Uh, whoa, that's a big word. Here, Brent. Unpaid preferred return. Oh, you got <laughs> If you're on YouTube, you've got a waterfall made of buckets. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so the first hurdle is unpaid preferred return. And this is going to be really complex for people to understand if they've never heard of preferred return before. Yeah. But to try and do it really simply, we want to just say... When you invest money into something and uh, there's multiple partners uh, and you put in more money than someone else, or let's say the other guy didn't put any money in and you put all the money in, um, a preferred return just means that you're going to earn money, like a percentage on whatever amount of money that you have invested in the deal that someone else doesn't. Yeah. Right. So in the case of a, a general partnership uh, structure, like we're talking about now, um, if you have the general partner and they, they maybe say put in 10% of the money and the limited partners put in 90% of the money. Um, and, uh, one of the limited partners puts in 500 grand and the other guy puts in 100 grand, right? Um, the first hurdle, um, is going to be a preferred return, um, that's owed to, to these people, right? So, uh, usually it's a percentage. So it's like, let's say in this one, it's 8%. Yeah. Right. Um, so they're going to, if they put in a hundred grand, what's 8%, that's eight grand. So they're entitled to eight grand, uh, on that a hundred, um, of whatever proceeds come out. Um, and then the next, so the guy who put in a hundred grand is getting eight grand back. The guy who put in 500 grand is getting like 40 grand back. Yeah. 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 Um, assuming there's the yeah, money. Assume, assume, yeah. So the assumption there is that if the deal doesn't have the money to pay that it won't pay that because there is no return yeah 
Yeah. No, it's just a bad, a bad deal all around. Yeah. Or it might be early on in the deal, right? Yeah. That you're not, um, yeah, if you sell for a loss or um, whatever, right, then that's not good. But, you know, in due time, if you write out the investment thesis and all goes well, then there should be adequate returns. Yeah. Um, but the idea with these hurdles or these waterfalls is that that bucket has to fill up for the next one to happen. And they usually put, um, like, the general partner's fees lower down so that um, it shows them that, you know, hey, we're pretty confident this is going to go well. So our fees are down here and you get paid first. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to make any money until yeah. you get X amount back. Yeah. As an uh, um, equity investor. And so this deal. And that's called a pref, right? You said yeah. preferred return, also known pref. as a pref. Yeah. So if you ever hear that pref, preferred return, preference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my preference is to make the money. <laughs> um, and then the next thing they have on this example is uh, like an asset management fee. So like there would be um, a, a certain percentage of the deal. In this case, it's like half a percent. Yep. Um, they're going to take as a fee. And then the next thing is... And that's also known as the promote? Uh, no, that's that's later on in this, okay. in this particular case. All right. So... Just to kind of quickly run through these. So the next one is return of capital. So yep. if you put in, the, if you're the guy putting in the 500 grand and you already got your 40 uh, as a 8% re, um, preferred return, now you get your 500 back, right? So and this is assuming that we're going, that this thing's making lots of money. Yeah. And this there's is, extra this money. This is the capital distribution one. But, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So we sold the project okay. 10 years later. We made a million dollars and you get 40 grand, you get 10 grand, and then you're going to get your 500 grand back and you're going to get your 100 grand back. Yeah. Right. Um, and that happens before, um, in this case, anyways, the GP, the general partner will get their promote, which is um, like their percentage return. And that's typically a bigger percentage. So let's say they had 10% in. They're, they're also getting money back based on yeah. equity, based yeah. on these buckets, but only in accordance with the money they've put in. Yeah. But then the promote could be a much bigger, it could be 25% 20, yeah, of the project. In this case, 20%, 25, 30, yeah. It could be higher or lower, and that's all based on the risk of the deal and uh, the competency of the general partner and all this yeah. stuff, right? The market yeah, so, conditions. Yeah. So essentially the people who put money in, if everything goes well, they get their money back. Yeah. And then, so we're a couple buckets down now, right? Yeah. And then everybody splits that money. Let's say it's a million bucks, um, according to this, the next bucket. So that could be now that the GP is getting 20%. Yeah. of the deal and 80% goes to the investors. So even though he only put in five or 10% of the original equity, yeah. he's getting a much bigger uh, chunk at the end, but that's because he made that happen. Yeah. And, and I it think could, it could be she. Yeah. I think it's important to note that we're, with this podcast, we're not trying to describe every kind of possible scenario. We're nope. just, we're just trying to make people familiar with the language of a general partnership, a limited partnership. So that like, if someone ever says waterfall to you, you don't just think, Oh, Niagara falls or like, like, Oh, interesting. Well, or the concept of prefs, right? You, you've, you yeah. said that uh, off air that people, a, this is the biggest stumbling block for people. Yeah. And to uh, understand it's still, yeah, I bump into it all the time. But, um, 
I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have well, to. It's, Just an, know it's an accounting term that I'm not an accountant, but and, and, and it happens in the context of an investment. And, you yeah. know, and when people get money involved, it's really like, you know, what's going on here? Um, so it, and it can be confusing because it is not. Um, yeah, it's not as straightforward as like you can't just give it a one word explanation. But what I'm trying to say is with this podcast, we're just trying to make people familiar with these terms and like the fact that this is out there so that, um, you know, you hear this word, you kind of know a little bit where it comes from. Um, and then um, the other thing to know, too, is that all of these different rates and ratios and stuff are not necessarily going to appear in the same order in the same percentages in every deal right yeah and so they're, they're kind of like lego blocks in the tool of the general partnership limited, limited partnership structure to work with right to say look okay um we want to make this investment opportunity happen and in order to do that the market conditions are like this right now um, you know, we, we think we can do this with this property. So we're going to offer, uh, maybe it's more risky, right? So we're going to offer more incentive for the investor. And one way by doing that, one way to do that is to offer a higher preferred return, for example, yeah. right? So that the investor is confident that they're going to earn uh, a certain rate of return on their money, uh, like guaranteed. It's, it's not guaranteed in the sense that if the money doesn't actually come, it's not going to be paid, but they will get paid that first before anything else happens, right? Yeah. Um, and then same thing on the other side, like for the, the general partnership. So if it's if something where the general partnership adds a lot of value and investors would just love to get into this deal and there's so many investors that really want in on this, um, they can charge a higher promote because they're bringing something to the marketplace for investment product that's uh, of really, uh, really desirable, right? And then they can make a lot more money and do more of these deals and help more people, so. Yeah, and that, that would be, so, uh, like as an example, then if you, um, if you were gonna invest in this thing with a bigger promote, you would know that, yeah, these guys are getting a bigger piece of the pie, yeah. but that whole pie should be bigger than yeah. if I either went with this different GP yeah. on the same kind of project or if I did a different style of deal yeah um like I know this one's going to make me more money so I'm okay with paying that GP a bigger yeah. piece of the pie yeah. provided I get my money back it's first or pie. yeah exactly so who cares if they're yeah, getting speaking more speaking of big pies man I could <laughs> yeah what's your favorite kind of pie I don't know probably a meat pie <laughs> oh I was thinking like just fruits and stuff but yeah, yeah meat no. pies a nice, uh, like an Aussie meat pie. Yeah, they make some good meat know. pies. My wife's from Australia, so um, shout out to all of our. How many listeners we got in Australia? <laughs> both of them. <laughs> yeah, both of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I went there. I had an Aussie meat pie. They're they are pretty good. I gotta admit. Yeah, but, yeah. it's one thing they do well. <laughs> Grind up those kangaroos. Yeah, well, they got cricket. <laughs> what is that? Aussie rules, football, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so back to uh, back to waterfalls and uh, GPs and LPs. Um, yeah, I don't know what else do you want to say on that. Uh, okay, topic? so yeah, there's, there's a lot of. Um, uh, I guess just to frame it quickly for uh, listeners who might be looking at making an investment but not necessarily knowing um, if title ownership of a residential real estate in your local neighborhood is like the best thing or like what Mark is doing you know, buying stuff in the States and converting it to Airbnb, but yeah. you're still going on title and you're buying it with your wife and you're going to go there with your kids and put furniture or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you're going to manage it. 
And obviously you have some risk, some returns, whatever involved in that. Um, with this deal structure, um, you're sitting in your office or you're sitting at home around your kitchen table after work and you're going, you know what? I got a hundred grand. What can I do with it? Yeah. This is an option that's kind of in between, the, um, you know, doing the hands-on stuff yourself because you're, you're basically paying someone else to do that on a larger scale and you're mm -hmm. taking a percentage of it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, like with a REIT, again, like we talked off at the top, that's like the next layer removed. Um, and yeah. if you kind of go in this, um, like how, how much control do I have over this asset? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing to keep in mind too is liquidity. Like, um, how, how easily can you get out of this deal? And so that's really important when you think about real estate is, um, most people invest in real estate because of what it does for their life. And it's a long-term investment. Um, but when you buy something yourself, like a house in your neighborhood or somewhere, you can sell it whenever you choose. And it's not the most liquid. It's not liquid like stocks, right? We talk fairly about liquid stocks. though. It's fairly liquid. Um, and especially in a market where there's demand and whatever, but it's, it's, uh, it's your, your decision, right? Yeah. And you can control it. You can list it tomorrow. Um, with a private equity deal where you have a general partnership who's running the project, um, it's a different kind of commitment, right? Because you're actually signing an agreement with them and you're saying, here's my money. And you're basically saying you're kissing it goodbye. You're saying, look, yep. you're going to do what you said you did or what you said you're going to do with this money. And you're going to give me this in return later. And that later could, um, sometimes they're open-ended, right? Sometimes it's three years. This is what we're going to do, but it's always three years plus this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes it's 10 years or five years, right? <clears throat> sometimes it's just, we're going to buy this. Um, and we're going to keep it forever. That's the intent anyways. And we're going to give you your money back when the returns are such that we can refinance your money back out and, yeah. and give you your check back. Right. So for an investor looking at this, like be, I think you have to be aware that you need to have a good solid exit strategy for this deal or be mindful that this money's kind of tucked away. It's not like a GIC yeah, or something. You can just pull it out when you yeah. see something else like, shiny. Ooh, <laughs> right. I'm going to sell all those stocks and buy this stock instead. Right. It's not that kind of investing. Yeah. And you should have some knowledge of the asset or the, the deal type that you're doing. Right. Instead of just blindly like, okay, here's uh sorry. I just saw something shiny over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but instead of saying like, here's a hundred grand or here's a million dollars, go, uh, uh, have you ever you heard know? of, uh, ADOS? No. It's like the syndrome that people have now. No, it's no. Like, a new uh, one. Okay. Yeah. Attention deficit. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> 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 I yeah. like that one. Okay. <laughs> I think it's really, you know, the diagnosis of that is really crept up. <laughs> yeah. Especially since people started listening to this. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> But anyways, normally I'm the one distracted yeah, no, with jokes. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> we dad joke training over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing off on you. But yeah, you should have some idea of what the deal is about or what the type of um, asset that you're investing in so that you can really evaluate whether this GP knows what they're talking about as well, right? Yeah, and there's a little bit of synergy too when you're an investor and in, let's say uh, you're into farms and this is like a farm-related 
uh, uh, project you're investing in. Yeah. Well, you can actually add value too, because it, here's my money. But also when we sit down together and discuss, here's some insight that I have that I've experienced and they can benefit and you can benefit. Right. So it's, yeah. it's not like you're actually doing the work, but your expertise or your, uh, perspective on the industry or like the asset class you're investing in might actually be able to benefit the general partner and therefore benefit you. And it's kind of like this little, yeah. Um, trickle down. No, it's not trickle down. It's kind of, that's yeah, it's water. It's a waterfall. Yeah. It's all <laughs> waterfalls and liquidity in buckets. Yeah. Money goes where it's treated best. <laughs> and then if you it's get always enough, through the cracks, Mark, well, if there's enough liquidity, <laughs> you can plant a money tree and you, uh, you water it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Talk about Actually, mixing your city, metaphors. The city was going to plant the tree at one of our houses, and and they gave us a list, and the ones I wanted were not there, and uh, they put it in the wrong spot, and I was like, oh, they're totally incompetent. Anyways, yeah, that's another episode. Okay, incompetence. We'll do a, se- a segment on that. <laughs> okay, well, was that? Uh, I think that was uh, comprehensive and confusing enough for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we can maybe talk about joint ventures next time. Yeah, this is just touching the the surface of this kind of topic, but there is definitely um, uh, opportunities out there, I think, for people uh, in this space. And uh, we, like at Good Stewards, I don't know about yourself, but we, we see opportunities um, on a regular basis doing uh, general partnerships. And, um, uh, you know, we've deployed capital into this. We've invested in some ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it is really cool because you can kind of pick the investment thesis that you want yeah. uh, to be involved in and, um, get involved in a project that, I don't know, for, for investors that, um, have a certain idea in their head, like I want to be involved in creating housing in this area. You can really be selective and narrow it down and, uh, find some good partners. Um, and then you can take advantage of, um, uh, financing, for example, right? That's not available to you as an individual. Right. Um, so there is there is definitely benefits to this strategy, and um, so we're we're definitely heavily looking into it and building relationships, and um, yeah, hoping to offer that to people as well. So yeah. super exciting space. And, and yeah, you build relationships with other like-minded people that you may not have yeah. met otherwise, right? So it's a cool like real estate is all about networking. Really cool yeah. way to network as well. Yeah. So. Definitely encourage people to check out this space. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. (laughs) Okay. We'll end off on a whimper, I think. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm going to go get some lunch. Okay. I'm going to go get a coffee. So (laughs) until next time. Steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.